0: On August 2, 1947, a British plane called the Stardust flew 24,000 feet in the air. It soared above the Andes Mountains at 225 miles per hour, making its way from Argentina to Chile.
1: Each of the six passengers sat silently. They stared at the windows, but their views were obscured by storm clouds.
0: Back on the ground at Chile's Los Cerrillos Airport, a radio operator received a Morse code message from the Stardust. It said the plane
1: would be arriving late. The message ended with a curious word that the operator had never heard before. S-T-E-N-D-E-C. Stendek.
0: The operator asked the co-pilot to repeat himself. The co-pilot replied twice in short succession, loud and clear. Stendek. Stendek. And then silence. The plane had vanished.
1: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly.
0: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
1: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: This is our one-part episode on the mysterious crash of the Stardust. In 1947, the small airplane vanished somewhere over the Andes Mountains in Argentina. The only clue was its enigmatic final message,
1: Stendek. Several possibilities arose about what had happened to the aircraft. The flight might have been the victim of sabotage, alien abduction, or a government cover-up. But in 1998, two Argentinian hikers stumbled on something half-buried in the Andes Mountains, which changed everything people believed about the Stardust.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the Personal Price Plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
0: During World War II, the British Army used a small airplane model called the Avro Lancaster. Powered by four Rolls-Royce engines, it could fly up to 280 miles per hour and reach heights of over 24,000 feet. At the time, it was England's most effective bomber plane.
1: But when the war ended, the Avro Lancaster seemed obsolete. British officials had invested in a huge fleet that they could no longer use until they identified a unique opportunity.
0: In the late 1940s, British demand for international travel soared. Wealthy Britons wanted to vacation in places like Argentina, Brazil, Chile and the Caribbean.
1: So the UK government created an airline called the British South American Airways, or BSAA. They needed planes powerful enough to jet from Europe to South America and to clear the Andes Mountains, an immense range between Argentina and Chile that's home to the second highest peaks in the world.
0: Luckily, they had the Avro Lancaster. British engineers converted these bombers into tiny passenger planes. By 1946, they were fully operational.
1: But in September 1946, the BSAA made its first fatal mistake. A plane named the Star Leader ascended from an airfield in Banjul, Gambia. Due to unknown complications, the pilot quickly lost control of the aircraft and he crashed two miles from the runway.
0: Twenty passengers and four crew members died in the accident. The BSAA's safety record was off to a
1: bad start. But even after this catastrophe, business was steady. The BSAA was the only airline that flew from Britain to South America, so they had a monopoly. The risky flights continued, and 11 months later, a gleaming Avro Lancaster called the Stardust prepared for takeoff. It was headed from Buenos Aires, Argentina, to Santiago, Chile.
0: Its path was treacherous. The Stardust would cross the Andes Mountains in the middle of harsh winter weather. Luckily, the BSAA believed they had the best
1: personnel to tackle the challenge. All three of the Stardust flight crew were veterans of the Royal Air Force. The pilot, Reginald Cook, had flown in dozens of combat missions. His first officer, Norman Hilton Cook, had logged 2,000 flight hours. By all accounts, the Stardust was in good hands.
0: Before takeoff, the pilot also received a vital tool, a weather chart. This document showed the conditions on their route, and they didn't look good. A blizzard raged in the Andes Mountains, and it would be nearly impossible to see through the storm. The plane's six passengers were in for a rough ride.
1: Nevertheless, on August 2nd, 1947, at 1.46 p.m., the aircraft took off. The plane carried enough fuel for a six-hour flight, but they only expected to be in the air for three hours and 45 minutes. Everything was under control.
0: The plane's radio operator maintained hourly contact with Santiago's Los Cerrillos airport. He used Morse code, which uses a series of electrical pulses, dots, and dashes to spell out messages.
1: At 5 p.m., the stardust signaled that it was at an altitude of 20,000 feet, The ground was obscured by clouds, but the pilot knew he was hovering over the city of Mendoza, Argentina.
0: He was about to cross the Andes. He pitched the plane higher, even though they were already at an altitude where the air was thin. Most airplane cabins weren't pressurized at the time, so the passengers and crew had to inhale oxygen from tubes.
1: Forty minutes later, and four minutes before their anticipated landing time, the radio operator sent another message to the Santiago airport, explaining they'd be four minutes late. The communication said, ETA Santiago, 1745 hours, Stendek.
0: The operator had no clue what that last word meant. He asked for clarification, but the only reply he received was Stendek.
1: The operators waited for more, but that was it. They stared down the runway, but they didn't see a winged silhouette descending from the mountains. They didn't hear an explosion in the distance. The stardust was simply gone.
0: Operators continued sending messages throughout the night, hoping the pilot had taken a different route. None of their calls were answered.
1: By the next morning, August 3rd, a rescue mission was underway.
0: Chilean mountain troops hiked through blizzards looking for signs of wreckage. Argentinian air fleets scoured the peaks. Mountaineering clubs organized search parties. Altogether, they sifted through hundreds of miles of the Andes Mountains, but there was no sign of the stardust.
1: The United Kingdom even sent pilots to join the hunt. Still, the search party found nothing.
0: This was particularly strange because the BSAA knew exactly which route the plane had taken. The Stardust hadn't given any indication that it had gone off course.
1: Wherever the plane had gone down, the outlook didn't look good. Even if the pilot had landed the plane in the Andes Mountains, the crew and passengers would have certainly starved or frozen to death by now. So the Argentinian and Chilean governments called off the hopeless rescue mission.
0: To summarize, authorities didn't have any wreckage, any bodies, or any idea of what had become of the doomed aircraft. In lieu of any real answers, people speculated wildly.
1: And given the growing tensions between Chile and the United Kingdom, one explanation seemed shockingly possible. Perhaps the plane had gone missing due to an international conspiracy
0: up next the evidence that the stardust was a victim of a government cover-up hi there it's carter from
2: Parcast. if you haven't had a chance to check out the riveting true crime series solved murders there's no better time to tune in Throughout the month of August, Solved Murders is featuring four celebrations that took a turn for the deadly in a special series we're calling Party Fowls. From a murder in the New York nightclub scene and the house party gone horribly wrong, to a terrifying evening at the Tate residence and a sex party with sinister results, go deeper inside four affairs remembered for all the wrong reasons. And if you like what you hear with Party Fowls and want to uncover more of history's most captivating cases, be sure to follow Solved Murders on Spotify. There you'll find a new episode released every Wednesday. Solved Murders is a Spotify original from Parcast. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
0: On August 2, 1947, an Avro Lancaster aircraft called the Stardust disappeared during its flight from Argentina to Chile. After an extensive search of the Andes Mountains, nobody could find a trace of the doomed aircraft. It was like the plane had vanished. Many people speculated on what could have become of the Stardust and its passengers and crew.
1: Perhaps the plane had been sabotaged by English agents. Following a contentious land dispute in the 1940s, Argentina and the United Kingdom had a tense relationship. Plus, Argentina's president, Juan Domingo Perón, was fervently anti-British.
0: And one of the Stardust's passengers was a man named Paul Simpson. He'd boarded the plane with a white canvas sack. And this wasn't ordinary baggage. Simpson was a king's messenger, which meant he carried confidential British documents across the globe for King George VI.
1: The canvas pouch was fastened with a tamper-proof seal. It couldn't legally be opened, weighed, or x-rayed. The contents of Simpson's bag remain a secret to this day.
0: Perhaps it held an important document which Simpson was supposed to deliver to Chile. If Perón wanted to intercept it, He only needed to slip a small explosive on board the Stardust, set the timer for a few hours into the flight, and then, boom.
1: This might sound outlandish, but a disaster soon after the Stardust vanished made this scenario sound a lot more probable.
0: Just six months after the disappearance, a different aircraft departed from a Portuguese island and headed to Bermuda. The plane, named the Star Tiger, carried 25 passengers and a six-person crew.
1: The craft veered wildly off course, but gave no distress signal. Half an hour later, it was gone. No one on board was ever seen again.
0: In response to the Star Tiger disappearance, the Minister of Civil Aviation grounded all BSAA planes of the same model. He didn't want them to fly again until the authorities identified what had caused the crash and determined if the airline was responsible. But one man opposed the investigation, Don Bennett, the director of the BSAA.
1: While the head investigators suggested something mechanical might have malfunctioned, Bennett offered another hypothesis, an airborne assassination plot. According to
0: Bennett, someone wanted to kill Sir Arthur Cunningham, a British war hero who'd been on board. Once the Star Tiger was off the ground, he'd have been a sitting duck.
1: Bennett claimed that someone had been spotted loitering close to the airplane before its ill-fated flight to Bermuda. He described them as a known war-registered saboteur.
0: And if an assassin had taken out the Star Tiger with an explosive, then the Stardust may have met the same
1: fate less than a year prior. Bennett even alleged that the Stardust crash had been the first strike in a coordinated conspiracy. Perhaps someone wanted to take down the BSAA, one plane at a time.
0: A year later, the allegation gained credence when another commercial aircraft disappeared. The BSAA's Star Aerial had been supposed to soar from Bermuda to Jamaica. But soon after takeoff, the pilot communicated its position and was never heard from again.
1: Another of the BSAA's planes was gone.
0: Don Bennett speculated that the Star Aerial was one more victim of sabotage. He claimed that a powerful North American competitor had hired an operative to take out BSAA because they wanted the valuable flight routes to themselves.
1: However, there was no real evidence to support Bennett's claims. It's possible that the Stardust, Star Tiger, and Star Ariel were all victims of sabotage. But it's even more likely that Bennett was in denial about his company's responsibility for dozens of deaths. It must have been easier to imagine himself as the target of a conspiracy than to grapple with his culpability.
0: But perhaps these three planes were the victims of a different kind of sabotage. Not one over earthly goods, but for something truly out of this world.
1: Months before the stardust took off, people all over the United States reported seeing odd objects in the sky. In June 1947, a pilot saw nine saucer-shaped objects flying near Mount Rainier, Washington. The vehicles were moving at an impossible speed, around 1,700 miles per hour.
0: Weeks later, in early July, a farmer in Roswell, New Mexico, stumbled upon shiny debris made of rubber strips, tin foil, and some sort of rough paper. It was spread all across his property, Perhaps one of the so-called flying saucers had drifted too low to the ground and
1: crashed. The Army stepped in to investigate. On July 8th, Officer Walter Hott issued a statement that said the Intelligence Office had, quote, gained possession of a disk.
0: In other words, the Army had captured a possible alien spaceship. And less than a month later, the Stardust mysteriously vanished. Maybe the aliens were seizing one of our craft, since we'd taken one of theirs.
1: An eye for an eye, a saucer for a plane.
0: This would explain how the aircraft seemed to evaporate into thin air. Perhaps the plane was caught in some kind of transporter, then beamed into space, never to be seen again.
1: Consider that enigmatic final message, Stendek. No aviator had ever heard the phrase before. Stendek isn't part of any known modern language, at least not a human language.
0: Perhaps Stendek was a warning from an extraterrestrial adversary. Remember, it was repeated three times before the stardust went silent. Stendek was no accident.
1: Someone or something wanted us to hear it. A few other mysterious incidents seem to back up this claim. After the star aerial disappeared, a massive search party failed to find any remnants of the plane. But they did discover something even more startling.
0: Both a U.S. bomber and a British airliner independently reported an odd sighting, a strange glow that shone like a spotlight on the surface of the ocean.
1: As they got closer, they couldn't find anything that could have given off the light. No raft, no survivors, no flashing electrical devices. The gleam was a mystery.
0: And that's all the evidence we have connecting the BSAA disappearances to possible alien invaders. While the strange light and the airplane's abrupt disappearance are strange, they're hardly definitive evidence of visitors from another planet.
1: Several theories about what became of the planes are a lot more grounded. Consider the allegation that the Stardust was carrying 70 bars of British gold when it crashed.
0: At the time of its final flight, the U.K. was buying massive amounts of Argentinian beef. But their usual currency, sterling silver, was losing value. So Argentina asked to be paid in gold. The UK just needed a safe way to deliver the payment.
1: Presumably, Paul Simpson, the king's messenger, wasn't carrying a top-secret document with him. If so, he could have just used a small suitcase. Instead, he lugged a heavy canvas sack, one so large that it filled the entire seat next to him.
0: He was never allowed to take his eyes off of the cargo. Perhaps his luggage was full of millions of dollars worth of gold.
1: The extensive search after the crash supported this hypothesis. Those who lived around the Andes knew there was little chance that people could survive in the stormy mountains. But the Argentine Army and Air Force continued searching even after the plane's passengers must have died.
0: Perhaps they weren't looking for survivors. Maybe they were trying to find a bag of gold bars.
1: The myth of the Golden Plain took hold in Andes Mountain Towns. Folklore suggested that peasants had discovered the wreckage, then lined their walls with cash and ate off giant golden plates. In
0: 1972, those legends came true police in Mendoza, Argentina heard rumors of villagers who'd paid for their groceries with gold coins. When authorities questioned them, they admitted they'd plundered the fortune from the wreckage of a plane somewhere in the frosty peaks.
1: Hopes were high. Perhaps the stardust had been found. But after a mission to the crash site, authorities realized the detritus wasn't from the stardust at all. It was a cargo plane that had gone missing in 1960. The bars of gold on the Stardust, if they did exist, were still out there.
0: And some locals thought they knew why this gold and the aircraft hadn't been found. Perhaps it wasn't that the government couldn't find the crash site. Maybe they didn't want to. They'd purposely kept it hidden.
1: A clue lay with a German Stardust passenger named Martha Limpert.
0: Martha had lived in Chile with her spouse Julius Limpert for many years. In the late 1930s, he sensed his time was running short, and the couple returned to Germany one last time.
1: Unfortunately, they arrived in 1939, just in time for Adolf Hitler's rise. When the
0: war ended in 1945, the Limperts wanted to return to Chile. However, getting home wasn't as simple as buying a plane ticket. Residents needed permission to leave Germany. The Limperts were no exception.
1: After two years in January 1947, the Limperts finally got clearance. But it was too late. The next month, Julius passed away.
0: So Martha boarded the Stardust with Julius's ashes. She was determined to bring her husband home, even if he was in an
1: urn. But she may not have been the only one making this particular trek.
0: Because of its cultural ties to Germany, Spain, and Italy, Argentina had favored the Axis powers during World War II. When the war ended, Argentina's president, Juan Domingo Perón, helped some Nazis escape to South America.
1: For all we know, the Stardust was a plane filled with war criminals. Then, when the aircraft spiraled into the snowy peaks, the Argentinian government whisked the ruins away. They didn't want anyone to know about the Nazis on board.
0: However, there's no hard evidence for this explanation. Stories of secret Nazi passengers were little more than baseless speculation. But as decades passed and the mystery remained unsolved, these wild stories were all people had to cling
1: to. That is, until half a century later, when a group of hikers found something in the ice which answered their questions and illuminated new mysteries about the Stardust.
0: Coming up, the Andes Mountains offer a new clue. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't.
2: One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible.
1: A British aircraft called the Stardust disappeared during its flight across the Andes Mountains. For 50 years, speculation raged about why it vanished and where it went. Then, in 1998, the impossible happened.
0: That year, -year 23-year-old Argentinian climbers Pablo Reguera and Fernando Garmendia trekked into the Andes. They hoped to conquer mountainous peaks where no one had ever gone before and survived.
1: They crested the summit of Mount Tupangato, 21,000 feet above sea level. They found monstrous ice spires jutting into the air.
0: The hikers decided to turn back. The journey was just too risky.
1: On their way down the Tupangato Glacier, Regera saw something glinting inside a pillar of ice, a chunk of metal. Engraved into its side were the words Rolls-Royce. It looked like an engine.
0: Regera left. He wondered how someone had driven a car so far up the mountain.
1: As Regera and Garmendia looked around, they discovered pieces of an electrical wiring system, wingtips, and a fuselage. They'd found a plane wreck in one of the most remote parts of the world.
0: The hikers picked through the debris until they found something even more startling. Slices of a suit preserved in the glacial cold with a very particular pattern, pinstripe.
1: When they returned home, they told others what they'd found. Many wondered if they'd solved the mystery of the stardust, but the discovery only raised more questions.
0: Rescuers had searched that area 50 years prior, and mountaineers had hiked through it many times since then. Nobody knew why the wreckage had laid undiscovered for so long. It was like the plane had just materialized after half a century.
1: The Argentine army called a press conference. They wanted to launch an expedition to find clues about what might have happened. However, a brutal snowstorm delayed the investigation. The world had to wait for answers.
0: Nearly two years later, in January 2000, the time was finally right.
1: The Army prepped equipment and supplies for 100 soldiers. A convoy of trucks and mules made its way through the frozen peaks toward the wreck.
0: After days of hiking in the bitter cold, the searchers found a copper oxygen bottle completely intact. Then, shards of metal, pieces of cloth, and something far more disturbing.
1: As they climbed the slope, the soldiers followed a trail of scattered bones to a human torso with one arm attached. It was frosted white from the cold.
0: They discovered two more torsos and a young woman's hand severed at the wrist. The party had unearthed a long-lost gravesite.
1: Investigators determined that the abandoned engine was the same kind used in an Avro Lancaster plane. The pinstripe material matched a passenger's suit. The hand likely belonged to a stewardess. Without a doubt, this was the stardust.
0: With the crash site found, aviation experts could finally analyze the debris.
1: The Army's first major discovery had to do with the plane's giant wheels found just a few yards apart. One was still fully inflated.
0: If the pilot had attempted a landing, the wheels would have been the first part of the plane to tear into the ground. They would have been destroyed.
1: But at least one wheel was untouched, which meant it was probably retracted when the plane crashed. This means the pilot didn't know he was flying head first into the mountain.
0: The collision was a surprise.
1: And the wheels don't tell us why the plane crashed. It may have been a navigational error, a stalled engine, or something else entirely. Thankfully, Argentina's lead investigator uncovered another important piece of the puzzle, the Stardust's propeller.
0: The propeller was bent at a violent angle, which suggested it was still spinning on impact. This means that when the crash occurred, the engine was running smoothly.
1: But if the engine was functioning, something else must have caused the crash. A navigational mistake seemed to be the only possibility, except the pilot was extremely experienced. He'd made this exact trip many times before, even in terrible weather.
0: Aviation experts suggested that conditions in that part of South America were ideal for a phenomenon called a jet stream
1: A jet stream is a fast-moving column of air caused by the shifting temperatures in the Earth's atmosphere. At very high altitudes, jet streams can whip by at incredibly fast speeds.
0: During World War II, allied aircraft sometimes became trapped in confusing high-velocity airflows, but pilots didn't fully understand these phenomena yet. As experienced as the Stardust's pilot was, he wouldn't have known much about jet streams.
1: As he'd approached the Andes Mountains, he would have soared up to 24,000 feet directly into the stream of air. That day, the jet stream blew up to 200 miles per hour, right into the nose of the plane.
0: The wind would have slowed the Stardust down considerably. On any other day, the pilot would have noticed the change in velocity. But tragically, the storm kept him from seeing beyond the cockpit. He thought he was still moving at a regular pace.
1: So the pilot could have thought he was well clear of the Andes, when in reality, he hadn't even made it past the summit. He might have pulled into a controlled descent directly into the mountains.
0: But this still doesn't explain why the stardust vanished as soon as it slammed into the mountain. Nor why it suddenly reappeared 50 years later, seemingly out of nowhere.
1: Let's address the re-emergence first. The Army found the plane's fragments and human remains scattered around the Tupangado Glacier. Glaciers don't behave like the other parts of a mountain. They're mammoth blocks of slowly shifting ice. They melt, and most importantly, they move.
0: Glaciers can drift up to 30 meters per day. The Argentinian hikers discovered the stardust in a glacier, which means it couldn't have been the original site of the crash.
1: The initial wreck must have occurred at a higher elevation. If this was true, then the plane may have seemed to disappear upon impact, thanks to an avalanche.
0: The impact of the collision might have loosened layers of tightly packed snow. This snow could have then rained down on the small plane, burying it deep under the ice. As the search party combed over the area, the stardust could have been right beneath their noses, but
1: invisible. After half a century, the glacier may have drifted down the summit like a floating graveyard with a stardust inside.
0: But as the glacier approached a lower altitude, it ran into higher temperatures. The ice melted, and the plane emerged from its frozen grave.
1: That could account for the Stardust's disappearance and rediscovery. But it doesn't explain the mysterious phrase, Stendek.
0: Some noted that Stendek is an anagram for another word, one that makes sense for a plane hurtling into the frozen ground, descent. Perhaps the radio operator scrambled the letters due to the lack of oxygen at 24,000 feet, but it's a stretch. He would have needed to make that exact same mistake three
1: times in a row. It's more probable that Stendek was a result of a miscommunication. At the time, most long-distance communication was done through Morse code. The operator tapped out his message on a panel in the cockpit. It read, ETA Santiago, 17.45 hours, Stendek.
0: Translation, the plane would arrive in Santiago at 5.45 p.m., four minutes late. And then, that mysterious final phrase, Stendek. <laughs>
1: Dendek certainly sounds confusing in English, but here's what it sounds like in Morse code.
0: Morse code relies on a series of dots, dashes, and spaces to represent letters. If those elements are out of order or timed differently, the word could be misinterpreted. For instance, some believe that the operator meant to spell the phrase SCTI space, a-R.
1: SC is the code for South America, and TI, Transport International. SCTI, in full, was the airport code for Santiago's Los Cerrillos Airport.
0: AR was a procedural signal that meant end of message. It was another way of saying over. Altogether, you have a quick sign-off that says Los Cerrillos Airport, over.
1: And in Morse code, S-C-T-I-A-R and Stendek sound almost exactly alike. For instance, here's S-C-T-I-A-R.
0: And again, here's Stendek.
1: You'd need a good ear to distinguish the two. And that's not the only possible way the message could have been misinterpreted. It's possible that the operator meant to say, Stardust. Here's how that sounds.
0: That's similar to Stendek, but this explanation doesn't totally add up. At the time, operators referred to the airplanes by their registration code, which in this case was G-AGWH. Plus, it's unclear why the operator would name the plane at the end of a message.
1: Other possible combinations come to mind. For instance, losing the first two dots of STANDEC and adding a space creates another probable message. ETA late.
0: ETA late was reportedly a common method signaling late arrival in the Royal Air Force. It sounds like this.
1: Now, compare that to Stendek.
0: If the operator was frantically trying to send a final message, it would be very difficult to slow down and add the right spaces.
1: Imagine typing out an email 24,000 feet in the air in the midst of a brutal snowstorm without autocorrect. It's possible that Stendek was the world's most famous typo.
0: And there's one more possibility that's worth mentioning. Some sleuths think STENDEC could have been an acronym. If the operator knew the stardust was about to become dust, he'd only have time to punch out a single word. Therefore, each letter could be an initial to spell out a final, more complicated message.
1: Wordsmiths offered their best guesses. STENDEC could have stood for STARDUST TANK EMPTY. NO DIESEL. Expected crash.
0: A most likely acronym is severe turbulence encountered, now descending, emergency crash landing.
1: We'll probably never know exactly what the message meant. Stendick could have been a standard sign off, or it could have been the operator letting the world know he was doomed.
0: He wasn't alone. 72 fatal air accidents occurred in 1947. The stardust was just another one. But the reason it sticks in our minds is because of that small, mysterious word, stendek.
1: These two syllables sparked the world's imagination. Alien enthusiasts believed extraterrestrials were involved. People who distrusted the government immediately blamed sabotage.
0: The glacier that probably swallowed the stardust might never reveal all of its secrets. But it has shown us something important. The only narrative that grabs people's attention more than a terrible tragedy is a good mystery.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with a new episode. For more information on the Stardust, amongst the many sources we used, we found Jay Rayner's book, Stardust Falling, the story of the plane that vanished, extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: See you next time.
0: And remember... Never take we don't know for an answer.
1: Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Ben Caro, with writing assistance by Karis Allen and Angela Jorgensen. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlane and research by Mickey Taylor. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.
2: Hi, listeners. It's Carter. Here's a quick reminder to check out the Solved Murder's four-part special, Party Fowls. Every Wednesday in August, take a closer look at four celebrations that ended in horrific fashion— Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Solved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify.